0: Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I'm Pip and welcome to the Midwife Pip podcast, the home of expert information and real chats on all things pregnancy, birth and beyond. Remember, as a podcast listener, you can get 15% off all my online courses at midwifepip.com using the code PODCAST15. As a mum, there is nothing I wouldn't do to protect my little boy. And I was honestly shocked to hear statistics, like at least one child under five years of age dies from an accident of which 75% take place in their own home every year. Our homes should be safe places for our little ones to explore and thrive. So I am super excited by this week's guest as we learn how to keep our little ones as safe as they can be in our homes. This week, I am joined by the wonderful Kate Ball, founder of Mini First Aid. Kate is a pediatric first aid specialist mum of six, including two sets of twins, there's literally nothing she doesn't know about little ones, (laughs) and featured on BBC One, Dragon's Den in 2021, securing an investment from Sarah Davis, MBE. Kate, welcome, and apologies for my croaky voice. We've got all of those back to school, back to nursery life bugs, but thank you for coming to join me.
1: It is a pleasure, and the croaks are in this department as well. It's something about September, isn't it? It's like, here you go, have the germs. It's awful, so I feel your pain.
0: I know, I know. But anyway, people say that croaky voices are sexy, so we're obviously just super hot stuff tonight. Check us
1: out.
0: (laughs) These numbers have still got it. Um, (laughs) Kate, take, take me back, first of all. I'm really interested to see why mini first aid became mini first aid was it because of your own experiences because little Finley has just turned one and he was quite late in the crawling department which I didn't realize at the time but I was actually really really grateful for because now life is chaos like he's everywhere and everything is a toy whether it's a toy or not
1: yeah, well, so my uh, my background is that I worked in corporate training, I worked in the corporate world, and I'm sure like lots of your listeners, I had a big piece of juggle in my mind as to what I was going to do returning to work after having my first baby. Um, my job wasn't particularly doable, it meant that I would be away from home, lots of global travel, which suddenly didn't seem so cool once I had a baby, and I just wanted to be at home with him. Um But the other piece for me was that I always had this real passion for first aid in the particular area of saving lives, so CPR. We had a family circumstance where, very tragically, my brother passed away. Uh, He had a condition called cardiomyopathy. And you see it a lot in the press or sadly a lot in the press Uh, it affects young men particularly uh, and they when they do pressure on their hearts it might be in extreme sports or athletics in my brother's case it was running around on a beach Uh, they can go into cardiac arrest and Unfortunately for my brother, two things happened. One is that he didn't know he had this condition, so therefore there was no forewarning. And second of all, the people that was, were with him at the time didn't know how to do CPR. So in the point from when the accident happened to when the ambulance arrived, there was a gap where they were attempting or having a go. And it always it took me a long time to find what I was going to do with this desire to make sure that people learnt CPR. But once I matched that with having had a baby and feeling so passionately about him. I've never felt, felt love like it than when I had my own baby and this real fear that if something happened to him, whether I would know what to do or people around us would know what to do. And that just sort of cemented that I needed to teach it and I needed to teach it to parents. And I started in my kitchen, getting parents to pay me to teach them for a couple of hours. Uh, I trained up as a first aid instructor uh, and that was seven years ago. And now mini first aid are training a thousand families every week, wow. teaching them how to save baby's lives. So yeah, it's um, it's been quite a journey.
0: Quite a journey but my goodness you must be so proud of the impact that you're having on families because it's so needed like what qualifies you to become a parent nothing does it it's suddenly this massive responsibility that you have to keep this little human thriving and safe and it's terrifying really.
1: It is and I think you know for us so many parents come to our classes and if something has already happened or they've experienced a worry or, or a stress or, a, or an emergency situation, they quite often will talk about panic, that adrenaline rush. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who was around to help me. And in the UK, I think we're really blessed with such an amazing health service, paramedics, et cetera. However, you've still got to wait for the ambulance to come. And sometimes in some parts of the UK, that can be eight minutes, 12 minutes, which even though it doesn't sound very long, if you've got a very poorly baby or perhaps even a baby that's not breathing or having a seizure, not knowing what to do can just be the most frightening thing for a parent. So it's just about going, right, OK, if we teach you what you do, then it doesn't stop the situation. These things happen, but it just means that if it happens, it makes you much more secure in knowing what you're doing. It's peace of mind, really. So, yeah, so that's the idea.
0: Oh, so important. And unfortunately, the times that we live in, those ambulance wait times aren't getting any shorter anytime soon. So no, actually, not. equipping ourselves with those basic but potentially life-saving skills is just even more important than ever, isn't it? I think.
1: Well, we I think for us the other thing was is that parents we don't want to frighten people because mm-hmm. I know when we see new parents or pa- parents that are quite often expecting to have come to our classes before their baby's born is that they're really excited they're in that lovely um sort of bubble that you don't want to burst I don't want to say to anybody your baby's going to stop breathing or your baby might sit ha- choke or have a seizure because the likelihood is it won't happen mm-hmm. so it's how we deliver that and just saying if just if it happens, you feel that you have the knowledge. Or if it happens to your friend's baby. And you're you... sat at a cafe and
0: like, Absolutely. you
1: know. You're the one that's there when somebody's cup of coffee is knocked over and it lands on baby or or, or anything like that that does happen. Yeah. You can be the one that can jump up and go, it's all right. I've, I've learned it. I know what I'm doing.
0: Kate's taught me what to do.
1: I'm here. It's safe. <laughs> I love it.
0: it. <laughs> now, Kate, what we want to talk about, though, is homes because yeah. It's one of those I think when we're when we're out and about, we kind of scan the room, perhaps a little bit more because it's not our safe, known environment. But we kind of take for granted our home that's our familiar setting, but it's obviously not our baby's familiar setting And when they're starting to learn about life. Why is it that our homes are so hazardous? Because to us, homes are home, aren't they? Like there are safe, cozy place. Nothing bad happens in our four walls.
1: Well, I think generally, I think when we do, we do a home safety course as well as our, as our first aid classes. And when we do that course with parents, one of the activities that we get them to do, which I'm sure they all love me for it, but I know what you're going to say because I've (laughs) done (laughs) it. What we get everybody to do is we ask everybody to crawl around on their hands and knees and look at the world of your home from your baby's viewpoint. And it's a very different place. So if anybody, and a bit knows, dusty as well. <laughs> dusty. Goodness me, <laughs> no, you might find some extra change under the sofa. You never know. We never judge anyone when we do our classes. But the reality is, is that when you see, um, when you see people um, doing that and going, "Oh my gosh," when I see the wires hanging down or the fact that I've perhaps put things in a pile or perhaps I've got a one of those uh, wax diffusers and there's hot wax burning just you know just on the side or perhaps I've just put my cup of coffee just on a coffee table all those things suddenly look very different from a baby's perspective and I don't think any parent out there would ever intend for their baby to be injured at home Uh, but I think sometimes people think oh it's okay I've put a stair gate in we're good. We're all right. But it's thinking about what can my baby get access to? And yes, they do. And especially when they're on the move, and you'll know this, Pip, the one-year-old, is oh that once gosh. they're on the move, they're everywhere.
0: Absolutely. Within a split second. Like, can't take my yeah. eyes off them, Kate. It's a nightmare.
1: <laughs> and, 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 the, and the opening of cupboards. And, yes. you know, I so we have cupboard locks <laughs> in our house and we were always advised, which I think is a great piece of advice, to have one cupboard which you allow to be opened but it's just full of plastic containers so they can pull them out wooden spoons pull them out to their heart's content but there's nothing in there that's going to do them any harm Um, but i think it's just that from the baby's viewpoint is seeing around your home and looking at each room and you know i also say to parents sometimes if you've got a room in your house and you just look and you just think oh my gosh this is a disaster waiting to happen in this room for our baby Unless you need to be in there with your baby, make it a grown up space. Make it a space that you don't go in with your baby. And actually, we still have that. We have a living room in our house where only my older children are allowed to go in it. My younger ones, my two sets of twins, who are crackers and knock everything over and ball in in great balls of flurry of excitement and they run everywhere, they're not allowed in that room. We just shut the door and we just say, no, that's a grown up's room because. It's easier to do that than to try and baby proof every single zone in my house. Mm -hmm. So it might be that there's just rooms that you just have to shut the door on and say, no, we're not going to let baby go in there.
0: Yeah, that's a good advice. So we are uh, renovating our house. So Mm -hmm. that means that there are definitely rooms (laughs) that are more of a building site than a home, which obviously is not ideal for a one-year-old that's interested in every single thing. So we've done exactly that. We've just got a room that has got like a heavy sliding door that's just slid and locked. And then that's that sort of back part of the house that's got drills everywhere and his chaos just isn't entered. He hasn't found it yet. Mm -hmm. He's living in half a house. Just for that reason, you've got to pick your battles, haven't you? And be realistic. Yeah, absolutely. He doesn't know you're
1: not doing them any disservice. They can enjoy that when they're older. And that's just much more risk adverse for you. And also, it means that you can feel a little bit more relaxed in your own home uh, as well. And so having your baby in a space where you close the door or you put a gate across and you say actually this is the space that we're going to play in and we're going to be in because it's a safe space i've covered the sockets i've got the they've got the the uh the head the things to stop them bumping their heads on the corners i've got um cupboard lo- covered locks on etc and all other provisions that you've put in place it's far easier to manage in a smaller space than it actually is if you give your baby free room of the whole house
0: yeah oh 100 percent what do you see Kate, or from you know the research that you guys do what are the most common accidents in the home
1: right so the most common accident in the home well it's sort of level pegging at the moment so the stats were just seeing some new stats so it was always trips and falls so trips and falls can be pretty much tripping and falling anywhere in the home but particularly on the stairs so um and that's 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 baby or that parent carrying baby um, so, I've got some advice really that we would suggest with with trips and falls on the stairs. First of all, is that making sure that you fit a stairgate. Um, and there are different types of stairgate. And in our baby proofing course, we talk about different stairgates and how you fit them and how you can make them work for different spaces. And the good manufacturers will help you do that. Will help you through um, uh, question lines or through direct DM messaging through Instagram, etc. They will help you to decipher which gate um, will work well. Um, but the reason that you need to put a gate on the stairs is that as soon as babies can crawl, babies also want to learn to climb. They're just mammals. They want to do, you know, they want to climb up things. And so every parent will say, "Oh my gosh, I turned my back and they were halfway up the." stairs and whilst we need to teach our babies to climb the stairs at some point because they're going to have to navigate the stairs if they are going to climb the stairs they absolutely have to do it with your supervision so if you're there great because you're there supervising, and watching them go up on their tummy and also coming down uh, on their bottoms feet first that's always a good thing for babies to do and either on their bottoms if they're a toddler or if they're a baby turn them over onto their tummy and actually get them to come down feet first on their tummy um But what you don't want is you don't want a baby trying to navigate and do that by themselves because they'll try. And that's when there's a risk of a trip or a fall or sliding and falling from one end of the stairs to the other. Um, When it comes to stair gates as well, one of the things that we always say to parents is make sure everybody knows how to use them. Because if you start to climb over your stair gate, which I've seen so many people do because they go, I can't work the lock. So I climb over it. What ends up happening is the kids copy you and they think oh this is how we get over the stair gate we just sort of fashion over it mm-hmm. so teach everybody how to use it because the other thing is which is frustrating with manufacturing of stair gates, is they're all slightly different so you think you've got your stair gate nailed and then you go to your friend's house and theirs is completely different um but knowing how to use it and making sure guests know how to use it so that they can open and close it properly is is, is really important so trips and falls are Uh, can be a can be a biggie and also when I talked about the adults on the stairs is that you need to demonstrate very early on to babies and young children how to climb the stairs properly so obviously we talked about that you showing them when they're very little about coming down on their tummies and going up that way but actually as they get older we want to demonstrate good behavior so as an adult we need to hold on So we're not very good at holding the handrails because we sort of feel like we don't need that. We fly up and down the stairs. Sometimes we might have a washing in one arm, a bag under the other. And it means that we have no hands. So we always say to parents, make sure you have a hand free so that you can hold on. Because one, that means you're not going to fall. But also it's teaching your children who are always watching you eagle eyed that that's what we do. Um, and then they learn that and they replicate that behavior. So if you're carrying your baby, make sure you are holding the handrail whilst holding your baby. And that was always tricky for me because having twins, yeah, well, I used to have to take one 20 down, put them down, go back up and get the next 20 and not be tempted to have one on each hip on the stairs, because by doing that, I then didn't have a hand that should I slip or go to trip, I've got nothing. Mm. Um, and nobody's going to drop their baby. That's the one thing you hold on to, because so nobody's going to throw their baby down. So you're going to hold on to them. It's really important. So trips and falls, I guess, are the biggie. So um, like,
0: if you can do that with twins, I need to start doing that because I definitely don't do that. Kate like, hey, I'm guilty. But yeah. if you can do it with two babies, I can do it with one. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and then no excuse. The other, the other biggie um for common accidents which unfortunately is growing mm. is uh burns as a result of hot drinks okay so when we talk about burns people say oh yeah yeah i put my handles in i know to put my handles in sideways um and we're all quite good at that. And there's stove guards and all sorts of things. And I know that, you know, I'm, I, the, the oven is up high and when it's on, I keep baby away. Um, I know all about burns, but actually it's hot drinks that are becoming the biggest challenge. And actually there's um in October this year, um, there's going to be a, a big uh, press campaign by the Children's Burns Trust all about the number of children that are being seen in AE units now as a result of burns from hot drinks. Wow. Um, and it's because... You make a brew and I know, you know, that (laughs) desperately need that cup of tea, right? Especially when you're like sleep deprived. We all need it. We thrive on it. And I admire anyone who can do it without. But it's very easy just to plonk the cupper down and or put it. So our best advice is really up high. I'm reaching up with my arm now. Up high, turn the handle away. But also use a thermos cup um and that's a really good hack actually because it mm. keeps your brew warm because mine always used to go cold I bet it, oh my gosh i bet it two sets of twins um, i'm
0: surprised you ever managed to even make it okay?
1: yeah <laughs> If it falls over you get a much smaller volume if the mouthpiece is open you get a much smaller volume coming out so that's where we're seeing unfortunately a real increase in the number of accidents with children's at home is with burns with hot liquids which is um which is tragic really it's really you know it's a really terrible thing that's happening. Yeah,
0: and like you say, because it's the simple things, isn't it? It's the really simple things like where you put your cup of tea that we just take for granted every day because for years and years before we've had children, we've made a cup of tea and put it next to us. That's yeah. just what we've done. It's like, you know, it's our bread and butter, isn't it? Yeah, well, and I have to make a confession, Kate, because yeah. we had a small burn accident, nothing drastic, yeah. but it was uh, in the winter. So when Finley was little, and my husband, we just washed all the towels and that Finley sleeping bag. So my husband came upstairs thinking he was being really nice because his sleeping bag had just come out of the tumble dryer. So it was all warm and cozy to put him in. But of course, sleeping bags often have zips that are metal. So mm-hmm. the metal end of the zip was obviously then really hot. So we popped, he popped it on little Finley. And rather than him going like, oh, like you were expecting to, he went, ah! And obviously we took it straight off and i was like oh my god it's the zip like the zip's hot um and actually it left like a tiny minuscule pink prick mark um and finley stopped crying within about five seconds and we realized and removed it but it's really little things like that that you just don't even think about it's like, oh this is all snuggly i'll take it straight up to him because it's a cold day and he's just yeah. got out of the bath. yeah faster
1: uh so the the burn that we had at home and bear in mind that you know this is what i do for my job you know i talk about making things safer, and then I talk about first aid. So you'd think that I'd know, but it happens to us all. We've got one of those heated towel rails in our bathroom. And something happened at the early part of the winter last year where when the thermostat came on, it made our heated towel rail heat up almost like super hot. Mm. And one of my little ones used it, really bad design of ours for our bathroom, but used it as a handrail to help them climb out of the bath. Right. and put their hand oh. onto the burning hot tower and we had to treat it as a burn and yes. place it in the cold running water. But, um, you know, and it's, it's so we're like right now, so we the heated tower does the job of drying the towels, but we had to get the thermostat on it looked at because it was doing just that and it wasn't you know that's the sort of thing oh my gosh you feel so terrible burn mark on the hand etc but um these things these things can happen you know they, they they can happen um and that's why you need to know your first aid as well so you know what to do but um it is just going around the home and just looking with a fresh pair of eyes at each zone that your baby or your child is going to be in and think what do i need to do here to make it a little bit safer and Mm. the other thing I would say is don't be shy to say that to people's homes who you're visiting so I'm thinking the grandparents now so if you go to my mum and dad's house love them it's like ornaments everywhere yeah (laughs) or because they can you know they can have a beautiful fireplace with beautiful things and I just have to say some look we're coming Things have got to go, just got to move temporarily or we're going to need to just be in this room because there's not this. They have an open fire because they can, because they don't, you know, they're, they understand they're adults, that they're not going to put their hand in it. But we have to do that little bit of thinking. And then I've got another relative who has a pond. And when we visit we have to be absolutely there and present Mm. because they don't have a guard on their pond, which fills me with horror. Um, But we have to make sure that we're present and supervising. We don't have a pond at home. So anything that the kids see there is naturally very intriguing. So, So yes, you also have to be really on it when you go and visit other people. And don't be afraid that when other people come to you, that you say, right, this is what we do in our house. We keep the stairgate shut. We shut the, this door because we're not going in this room. Please don't wedge this open, or please, you can do that. you know. And I think it's really important, particularly if you've got parents that sort of say, oh, wrap them up in cotton wool. In my day, it didn't matter. And the reality is, it did. It's just that all of the accidents did happen years ago, they just weren't documented. Mm. Now we hear more about them in the media. So make sure you tell all your guests as well that you're baby proofing your home to make it a little bit safer. <laughs>
0: Whilst we're talking about keeping our homes safe, I think it's important we think about how we can make them a nurturing environment too. Encouraging communication, language, and imagination in our children is beautiful to watch. And their early years provide such a powerful time for growth and opportunity. To learn more about how you can support your little one's developmental milestones, head over to www.aptoclub.co.uk forward slash midwife pip. Yeah, and just saving everyone a lot of stress and discomfort as well. It makes everyone's life a bit easier and more relaxed, isn't it? And more comfortable. Um, so it can it can only be a good thing. Mm. Um, and what I love is that, you know, the stuff that you talk about, Kate, isn't complicated. Like, it's not big, complicated things. It's just little changes. Um, yeah. So talk me through some of your tips that we can do to try and keep baby safe kate because like we've said they get everywhere they get absolutely everywhere
1: so we've done crawling around on your on your hands and knees and you're yes. all thanking me for that and rolling your eyes again thanks for that kate and getting the duster out yeah great <laughs> thanks for that. oh my gosh the confessional you might find some things that you'd you'd lost you never know you might thank me um the i would the other really good tip is around uh protecting little fingers for doorways so we talk about sometimes having what they call door jammers or, or something around the door to stop it slamming. And um, that's great if you've managed to get hold of one of those and you have that all set up. But sometimes you might not be or you might be going somewhere where you think, oh, my gosh, that door um, keeps shutting. And I'm really worried about little one's fingers. If you fold a towel or a blanket to a, between three and five centimetres thick, so quite thick and put it over the top of the door that will act like a door jammer so it will effectively stop the door from slamming completely which means it protects little fingers from being trapped so i've had parents say this to me that when they've gone on holiday and perhaps the property that they've rented or are staying in isn't as baby proofed as they'd like and they've gone oh my gosh we didn't even think about the doors And so by putting a towel or a blanket over the top of the door, um, you just need to make sure that at night then it comes off and you shut the door firmly for fire safety. But during the day when baby's around, pop something over the top of the door. And that will wedge it open great Um,
0: hack i love that yeah
1: yeah um we also would say very importantly to avoid when you think about protectors like corner protectors um, or things that go around things to stop bumps and little ones hurting themselves quite often it's easy to get hold of these items made out of foam Mm. um and our big word of caution is that they are hugely – there's two things that's wrong with foam. First of all, they're very bendy, which means that they can fall off and break really easily. The second one is they're hugely flammable. And believe it or not, you can still buy stuff that goes around your half of your fireplace made of foam. So you imagine that you're putting up oh there my baby's crawling and I don't want them to hit themselves on the hearth. But actually, it's near to your wood burner or your gas fire, and you're actually putting something that's hugely flammable close to a fire. So avoid, avoid, avoid anything foam made that's branded as baby proofing or baby mm. safety, because just because it's on the market as a baby safety product doesn't necessarily mean that it's been through all the checks to make sure that it's a safe product to use. It's a free market out there, unfortunately. So some of the rubbishy products creep in as well as some really good ones. So just avoid foam. So blanket over the door to stop little ones jamming fingers that crawl around your house on hands and knees at baby's viewpoint and make those changes and just avoid any baby proofing products that are made of foam there are three sort of top tips Mm,
0: Um, that's really and foam i'm assuming could also be nibbled at yes yeah yeah
1: yeah. so that's it that's right so if it fell off so say for example you bought a foam corner protector and it fell off because it sometimes they have rubbishy glue to stick them on if it falls off then little ones could nibble it and that little piece could get into their mouths as well i've got one bonus uh, extra for you Ooh, which, yeah which, which people now then go so thanks for that Kate you've made me crawl around on my hands and knees now you're going to give me another one that I'm never going to forget <laughs> and that is uh, when you look at your hob in your kitchen when I say to parents on our classes which is the favorite ring on the hob and everybody sort of says oh front right or front left, that's where people tend to say, that's the one I go to, to put my pan on, right? When I'm making porridge or boiling potatoes or whatever. I'm a front
0: right girl.
1: Right, front right. So now, Pip, you've got to become a back right. Okay. Okay. So from today onwards, you've got to either become a back right or a back left because what you do by using those first mm. is that's much safer for baby because it eliminates that risk of the pan being close to the edge of the surface so obviously if you're doing a roast dinner and you've got a pan on every ring then obviously it's all going you to be covered door, baby most of us, that's right most of us when we're cooking dinner it's one or two pans that we have on the hob so go for the back Make the back your new favourites. And it's one of those things that in your brain you have to reprogram because everybody goes to the same place. And I always have people in my class going, yeah, yeah, I'm a front right. I'm a front right. So you need to change it to make sure that you go for the back. And that makes it so much safer that if baby reached up, then they're not able to get anywhere near that front positioning mm-hmm. of the hob where something could be.
0: perfect sense, doesn't it? It's a challenge. Someone it, you're like, <laughs> do wouldn't even think of it until someone's like, well, why don't you just move that, you know, foot back? Genius, yeah. Kate.
1: Genius. Yeah, there we are. There we are.
0: You're changing my <laughs> life here tonight. You're changing my <laughs> life, I'm telling you. Um, can I just touch on something you just mentioned there? So yeah. these are foam products that yeah. are readily available on wherever you might search for a baby safety product. So does that mean that baby safety products are not Regulated properly? I'm just thinking, how, how are they available if, if they're not safe? Do you know what I
1: mean? If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or Zepbound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There is, and there are are, um, safety standards to which if a product is packaged properly, it should tell you uh, the EN, which is the uh, European number, um, a safety rating or BS, which is British standards rating that safety standard that it meets. If that's not there, then it hasn't had any safety testing. Um, right. actually there are some really good, um, there are some really good brands or some really good, uh, safety product businesses where you can actually seek advice and say to them, I just need to know about the safety rating of this product. And is it suitable, um, for use? Um, but anything, if it comes out of packaging, out of box, or it doesn't carry a safety standard rating on it, then it hasn't been tested for suitability.
0: Okay, that's really good to know. So it's it's down to us to mm. just check this. Sadly, sadly it is. And I think
1: I think if you were to talk to a well-established, well-known high street retailer, you could probably feel a lot more comfortable with what you're searching for. However, it's not a requirement to sell a safety product for it to for it to have had any testing so sometimes Mad, they, I, know, I know so sometimes they can still trip into the um into the meter if you're not sure um you can always message us at many first aid and just say i'm looking at this product uh, and if you dm us through our social channels and say i'm looking at this we can always check it out for you we've got uh, a safety business partner as well that will also be able to check um as well so we would gladly uh give somebody a little bit of help don't buy quickly or impulsively do a little bit of research on your product generally you tend to find that things that are unbelievably cheap almost too cheap to be true so you go to buy a door jammer and you discover that you can have 10 of them for a fiver there's a reason that there's a price point there and because when retailers or when manufacturers have had to go through various safety checks it is a cost to the business so you do tend to find that some of the more uh, the safer safety products tend to come with a higher price tag, but it's worth paying it. It's definitely worth paying. It. And they last for longer as well. And then when you have finished with your safety product, whether that's a corner protector, a door jammer, a safety gate, gift it on, mm-hmm. give it to the next family. You know, we are now just out of sort of coming, we, we don't have any stair gates any longer. And so we've gifted ours on because we had metal stair gates. They live forever. And so as long as they're installed properly and taken out properly is that they can go on to another family and be used time and time again. Or you can sell them. So if you're really active on Facebook Marketplace or any of the selling pages, Vinted, all those sorts of things, you can sell them. Um, if you've got items of the original packaging, that really helps because some parents are quite nervous to buy stuff without its original packaging. Um, but you can sell, you know, you can sell your safety products on as long as they're in good, good working order and you can vouch for them on where you bought them
0: yeah that's really nice in, in, in the world of sustainability i think for lots oh, of parents that's quite quite a nice thing to be able to do as well isn't it
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, so stairgates we mentioned and yeah. i think when we think about babies and homes stairgates just like spring to mind don't they and there's obviously a massive range out there kate when it comes to a stairgate for yeah. a home are there any key points on something like that that you'd recommend looking at when you're purchasing your stairgate?
1: So with the so with a stair when you buy a stair gate, uh, first of all is that you have something called a pressure fit stair gate, and that's where it uses pressure, so four screwing bolts to get pressure from either side, so the side of the stairs and the wall, for example. Or you can have the the other type of gate you can have is one that screws or mounts onto the wall, so it doesn't require that pressure. Now they sometimes can be a little bit more expensive. Aesthetically, they tend to look a little bit nicer. Not always, but they generally look a bit nicer, but they take a little bit more installation because you've got to drill them into the wall itself. So some people are not so keen to do that. Um, but with a pressure fit stairgate, which tends to be the choice that most parents and carers choose and opt for, is just make sure that you fit it properly. And when I say fit it properly, what that means is, is that they come with like a little white disc Um, that sits over the end of the bolts Uh, and they're actually designed to just have a very small screw and it's only tiny but a very small screw screwing them into the frame or the wood or the wall that they're intended to sit by and some people say oh gosh I don't want to screw into the wall actually it stops it from moving and if you don't put that little screw in what you tend to find is if you just use the sticky pad that they often come with is that that stair gate might move if somebody applies pressure against it in other words if somebody falls against it or tries to clamber on it
0: or your baby thinks what's this new toy that you've put at the top of the stairs absolutely. The and it could
1: cause an injury but also it can absolutely ruin your walls you know and when we've spent a long time doing up our homes and making them beautiful we don't want these great big we've had some amazing photos shown to us by people going look at the chunk my safety gate took out of my wall so just by making that tiny little drill hole and putting the white discs on properly means they'll stay put And then when you take your stair gate away, all you have to do is get some filler, fill the hole. You wouldn't even know it had been there. Um, Another thing to think about with uh, pressure fit stair gates is with these pressure fit stair gates, you get um, a bar across the bottom, which keeps them pressurized effectively. If you are putting those, we advise that you don't put those at the top of the stairs, because then there's effectively a piece of bar that even when the gate is open, you can trip over. Um, but if you do take the decision to install one at the top of the stairs, make sure that it only opens towards the landing. So there's no risk of you tripping over that bar and then falling on down the stairs when you open the gate. So gate towards you on your landing. Um, but try if you can, if you're thinking about installation in avoiding those pressure fit bar gates at the top of a top of the stairs. Bottom of the stairs is, all, is, is always good. The other thing I should mention with stair gates is, is that our recommendation is, is that by the time your baby child is two, you need to think about taking those stair gates out. And sometimes on the stairs particularly, and sometimes people go, what? Two? Oh my goodness, they're everywhere. But the different, the problem you have when you get to a two-year-old is that they start to be able to be able to climb and climb in quite an agile way. So if you have a stair gate, for example, at the top of your stairs, and then a baby climbs on top of it, there's the risk that not only will they fall down, but they are then falling down from a much greater height. And mm. so by the time they're two, that's when we're starting to do education on safe, safe climbing up and down stairs. So up and down on tummies when they're able, when they're walking, holding the banisters, holding a hand of an, of an adult or a grown up. So think about it is a challenge because I know in our house, for example, we had babies and toddlers. Yeah. So it's like, when do it? So you do have to make your own call. Mm. But broadly speaking, the recommendation is if you're looking at a two-year-old at that point, if you have a gate on the stairs, it really, you should be thinking about taking it off.
0: Amazing. That's really good. So I wouldn't have known that. And our stairs film me with Dread Kate, because we've got a split staircase at the top. So okay. I mean, it's like... Well, I can't just gate every single corner because no. it's like a prison. Um, so that's, that's really interesting to hear that actually, yes, we have to, when they're two, start making and that's where it starts now, doesn't it? That's when we need to start role modelling now, stair safety, because they are little heads I mean, are sponges.
1: Everything. They watch you do everything, you know, and everything from safe eating to safety around the home, it all starts and they copy you as grown-up. So you break your own rules. Mm. Um and they just they just copy you. So yeah, absolutely.
0: Amazing. Now I was gonna ask you Kate how we can select the kind of best home safety products. I know you mentioned no foam those safety regulations. Um, is there anything else we should look for when we're looking at a product for our home?
1: So what you should find is when you're looking for a product for the home is look at uh fit, look at um feedback, so look at star ratings, look at people's uh comments. Uh, now retailers encourage people to write comments. So you want to look at things like ease of installation. Was it easy to install? Was the um was the was the guide there? Were all the parts there that that you needed? Um, You should also find that you should get a really strong description of the product. So what you expect to get, its size, its colour, what box it will appear in and how you install it. And that should all come just on the features. Um, And if that's not there, that's where you need to not be looking. And then your final one really then is to talk to your retailer. So the retailers of safety products, if it's a good safety product the retailer themselves will have that knowledge but also the manufacturer will have provided that information um so i mean i can give some 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 good brand examples oh, if
0: please you do yeah yeah please
1: so one of the one of the so one of the partners that we work at mini first aid is with a brand called fred safety um who are part of a business called cheeky rascals um and fred safety uh, they had the lady who set up fred safety um had her own motives, I guess, really, to make sure that one is that safety products were better quality, more durable, safer, you know, a safe safety product. Also a reasonable price point, but made out of good product that meant that they have longevity. So you can use it for all of your children. Um, And what cheeky rascals and fred safety don't know about safety is not in my eyes is not worth knowing Um, they have a wonderful chat box on their website where you can fill in you can talk live to them or you can dm uh, fred safety or cheeky rascals through uh, their their social pages and they will um, provide you with reference guides Uh, they'll even if you've taken one of their gates safety gates down for example between children and you're going to reinstall it and you've forgotten how to do it They've even got somebody who will talk you through how to do it. And if you are purchasing or considering purchasing a safety product and you're not quite sure if it's right, they'll talk you through it. So we had a lady on one of our classes recently who had a piece of furniture. And we talk about securing wobbly furniture that children might pull themselves up on uh, to the wall. It was a piece of uh, a well-known retailer that sells lots of block-based furniture. and they were looking to how they could secure that to the wall in their children's playroom. And Fred Safety were able to provide the advice. They would be able to provide the piece of kit that they were then able to secure this unit and advise them on how to install it. Amazing. So they wouldn't. Ne- I wouldn't necessarily describe them as the, the cheapest in the market, but from a value from what you get in knowledge, it absolutely goes over and above peace of else. mind, right? Yeah. Like
0: you can actually know that you've yeah. done the best thing. And if God absolutely. an accident does happen, you've done everything you can to try and, and yeah. mitigate that, which is yeah. I think half of parenting, isn't it?
1: That's right. And you can find Fred Safety Products at most of your major high street and online baby retailers now as well. So you can search for a safety and find where they're being sold as well as buying direct, which we think is brilliant.
0: Yeah. It makes everything easy, doesn't it? So I've got the Fred safety um, door jammers on our doors downstairs. And Kate, the reason I've got those is because I remember when I did a call with you and you showed us a door jammer. That essentially, looked like a child's toy. I think it was like yellow and had like dots and a smiley face on, and it made me laugh because I can I can totally see that you'd walk around and be like, "Oh, that's you know, that's it's a word. child's product in a way. You know, it maybe it's in their playroom, so it's kind of fitting because it's got a tiger on or something." But you're literally making a safety product a toy, and you're like, "This is this is awful. This is really dangerous." And it made me it really it really just came home to me that actually these plain grey door jammers are very disinteresting and actually that's how our safety products should be.
1: Absolutely, they're, they're, we pack them in our suitcases when we go on holiday um, because you quite often find places where the doors are really heavy and they slam so we pack those with us. Um, but there are that's the thing is one of the things around the safety standards is that you shouldn't make a safety product look appealing to children. Mm. So when you start to put faces on it or make it in bright colours, you're starting to almost say this is something you play with. So that foam jammer that you're describing had, you can get them in zebra print and all sorts, and they're on your major online um, search engines. And they're also very, very cheap. They're made of foam, which isn't great. So they don't work very well. They fall off easily. But then a little one gets hold of them. And they're naturally going to want to start to play with it, put it in their mouths. The phone breaks apart. It becomes a choking risk. They are just absolute avoid, 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 because they're really dangerous.
0: So if you've got one of those in your house, please just take that to the bin right now. Um, <laughs> Kate, thank you so much. Now, everyone that comes on the podcast, I just asked for three top tips. And I feel like you could probably give us 303 top tips, but fire away with three if you can.
1: Right. So, my three top tips are take your house, if we're thinking of home safety, and take each room and go in with that baby's view of the world. So, go and look, and if it's hands and knees again, but go and look and say, what changes do I need to make in this room to make it safe for baby? If you don't think you are able to make those changes, it's not going to work. Perhaps it's a rental property, or perhaps it's just not right with the furniture you've got in the room. That room's got to be a door shut. And it's not going to be a room the baby uses so that's my first tip is just really looking room by room make yourself a to-do list we find people come on our classes and they just make a list of i've got to go home and check this i've got to go home and do this my other top tip um is making sure that you keep the lids shut on your detergent pods so those boxes that you get your detergent pods in they're quite tricky to open right so yeah. sometimes people go do i need a degree in engineering to get them to open but the reason that they're designed like that is again that's for safety is so that it's a two pincer movement to get them to open and that's so that babies and children can't get into them because they don't have that advanced ability to do a two pincer movement so when you do have it open. Yay, I've got it open. I've put my washing on, shut the lid again afterwards because so many people nod and laugh when we talk about it on our classes and say, oh yeah, my box of pods are sat open under my sink. And if you look at those pods, they look like sweeties and little ones will just put them in their mouths and detergent is so toxic because you think about what it does, getting stuff out of your clothes or stains, poo stains, tomato sauce stains out of baby grows. So if it can do that, then you think about what it can do to little ones inside. So that's a good thing. It's just to keep lids shut and just learn how to do that pincer movement, practice it, and then you can get your pods uh, and your pack open easily. Um, And then I guess my final tip really, sort of going over to first aid, is to just make sure that you and anyone that's going to be around baby has basic first aid knowledge, knows what to do, because we can wrap our babies up in cotton wool we think, but that's not going to be forever for them, is it? You can't walk around holding them all the time. You're going to need to let them to explore the world. And accidents do happen. Not everything is preven- presentable preventable, even if you've done all this baby proofing. Mm-hmm. So making sure that you have a good up-to-date knowledge of just basic first aid. What do I do if my baby's burnt, if my baby's choking or stops breathing? Is just so integral to your parenting journey that that's my final top tip for tonight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh okay you're an absolute star thank you so so much and um, what i'll do Kate, if you don't mind is if you drop me those safety standards i'll pop them in the episode description as well because i think for those oh. people listening that's probably really really important
1: absolutely um, kate, no problem
0: as well as obviously linking to the amazing um first aid courses that kate runs and okay i'm right in thinking that they are available everywhere in the UK, but also if you aren't in the UK and you do live abroad, they are still available to you as well, aren't they? So that's everyone right, can yeah. access you. Me. can
1: learn with us uh, either online uh, via Zoom or you can learn with us via our a virtual class, which you can take at any time. So that's for the folks that are up in the middle of the night that want to learn with us. Or if you're in the UK and you're able to come to a class then you can come and learn with us in person. And we'll also come and teach you at home. So if you've got a group of family and friends, you can learn first aid and baby home safety with your slippers on, which is dreamy. And then you don't have to move we'll
0: we'll, we'll come to you oh brilliant there is no excuse we can all get a little bit of mini first aid and help keep our little ones safe thank you so much kate you're a star pleasure if you've enjoyed this chat and want to hear more on this topic head over to midwifepip.com where you'll find my accompanying blog post with highlights my thoughts extra information and additional resources and remember Leaving a review on my podcast, if you've enjoyed listening, really does make a huge difference to helping me reach more women with honest, reliable information. So please take a moment to do this because when women support women, amazing things happen.